Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this presentation on 18 Laws of Power, Strategies for Positive Leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. In this video, we're going to talk about the difference between fear and respect, the difference between an abundance mentality and a scarcity mentality, and 18 Laws for Positive Leadership. So let's start out with fear versus respect. I think most of us can think back to situations in which, in our personal lives or in our work lives where we were um, in a culture of fear. The person who was our director, the person who was in charge was forcing behavior, was not open to communication, and it created a sense of anxiety and discontent. You are always wondering, when is the other shoe going to drop? What's going to happen if I make a mistake? Oh my gosh. Respect is empowered behavior that encourages collaboration and supports connection, complementariness, and loyalty. When you're working in this sort of environment, your individual strengths and contributions are recognized. Your individual perspectives are able to be voiced and heard. You may not always get your own way, but you are treated with respect. You work and play off of each other's strengths. So each person uh, takes responsibility for what they are most com comfortable with and competent in. And this supports loyalty. If people feel valued, if people feel important, if people feel supported, so they know that, hey, even if I make a mistake, they're not going to throw me out to dry, then you're going to create a culture of respect. This is true in families and relationships as well. When we are respectful of one another, we want to hear other people's opinions. We may not necessarily agree with them, but we want to hear them. We want to respect them as individuals and recognize their uniqueness and beauty as an individual. So let's switch gears a little bit to the scarcity versus abundance mentality. The scarcity mentality is based in fear. When people fear scarcity, there's a premise that there's not enough to go around and only the most important, the most powerful, the wealthiest, the most beautiful are going to survive. So if you don't scratch your way to the very top, you're going to be screwed. And that is an extremely stressful mentality to have. An abundance mentality, on the other hand, is based on respect and cooperation, again, and the premise that everyone has a role and working together, we can achieve infinitely more than we can in isolation. Think about your work situation. My guess is you as an individual probably cannot do every single thing that needs to be done to keep that company up and running. You as an individual may be very good at your aspect, your piece of the pie, your part of the job. And each person working together forms the company that is strong. The company can do more as a umbrella than one individual can do in order to satisfy that goal. The same thing in families. When you think about it, uh, in our family, 
we all have very different abilities. Some are more patient than others. Some are uh, more articulate than others. Some are better with electronics. Some are better with cooking. And we all take the things that we're good at because that takes us less time and energy. We do what we're good at and we let other people do what they're good at and we spend a lot less energy trying to make the household run than we would if each person tried to do everything themselves. If every time the plumbing broke, I was going to YouTube or somewhere to try to figure out how to fix it, that would take a lot more time and energy than me you know, calling my husband whose grandfather was a plumber and saying, Hey, Chuck, this needs to be handled. And he can do it a lot more effectively and efficiently than I could. And I can use my energy to focus on the things I do well. So let's talk about these laws of power, laws of leadership, whatever you want to call them. The first one is to remain meek. Never try to outshine another person or try to appear too perfect. People will respect when you are authentic. Now you don't want to go in and start out by saying, okay, let me tell you all the things that are wrong with me, but recognizing your strengths, recognizing your weaknesses, playing to your strengths. And when there is a success, when there is an accomplishment, making sure to give credit where credit is due. You probably didn't do it all by yourself. It was probably a team effort, whether that's at work or in the family. So being meek and making sure that everybody who contributed gets a shout out, gets recognized for their importance, that increases their sense of connection to the product or whatever the output was, as well as to the team and the respect and acknowledgement actually triggers neurochemical changes in our body, including oxytocin that are rewarding to the person and make them more likely to want to help more and do it again. Listen more and talk less. Too often we talk and talk and talk and talk and we want to try to convince people of our perspective. In positive leadership, your perspective is important, but it's important to listen more. Let me hear what other people's perspectives are because my perspective is from this standpoint but everybody else is going to be coming from a slightly different standpoint, a slightly different history. In dialectical behavior therapy, Linehan calls it, calls the beginner's mind, the perspective of somebody who hasn't been doing it. If you've been in your job for 20 years and you've always done it this way, sometimes it can be helpful to hear from an intern or a new hire how they might do it because it doesn't mean your way is wrong and their way is right, but they may have a different perspective. So if we listen more, we may get a better perspective. We may learn from other people. If we listen more, we are going to start understanding what makes other people tick. Instead of trying to tell them what to do, we need to understand what is motivating your behavior and acknowledging their perspective in order to help them feel heard and empowered. When someone feels heard and empowered, then they are going to be 
um, less defensive when even if we don't agree with them it doesn't mean you have to agree with them and say hey you're right I'm wrong it means acknowledging how they feel what they're thinking so they don't take this stance of defensiveness that they've got to prove themselves or they've got to keep stating their point over and over again because they're not being heard let them know they're heard and then you can take all the information and figure out what to do with it guard your reputation this is so important to act with integrity in everything you do because your reputation will precede you pretty much everywhere you go um, and it will proceed you as well when you are taking a new job they're going to call your prior employers and your references and based on your reputation it may impact impact how you what kind of job you get when you are interacting in social circles whether it's trying to get onto a committee or interacting at this particular club how you have behaved in other situations is probably going to be known and people are going to use that in order to get an idea about whether they can trust you and how they might be able to integrate so guarding your reputation means behaving with integrity it doesn't mean hiding your weaknesses it means being authentic being respectful being honest when through action not argument when we argue when we try to convince somebody that we're right maybe you quote win an argument but the feelings of hostility that were created through that um, fear-based or stress-based exchange may go on for a long time winning through action doing the right thing is a lot more effective than arguing to try to get your point across if you are in a situation where you may be at an impasse what action can you take how can you create a win-win instead of arguing and having to be right and having to win yourself and the other person lose win through action avoid the unhappy and the troublemakers and I debated whether I should put this one in here because I don't want you to shun people who are unhappy and troublemakers you are going to at work or at home occasionally run into people who are unhappy okay well we don't want to sit with them in their unhappiness and let that permeate us as well we can be empathetic and allow them their space to be unhappy but it's important to maintain your emotional boundaries between the unhappy people and the happy people likewise with troublemakers it's important to examine what is the motivation for their behaviors there are some people who operate from a scarcity mentality who are more likely to operate from a fear-based perspective that may not fit well within your team and recognizing that is going to be important behavior is communication if somebody is a troublemaker at work if they are constantly usurping your authority or going behind everybody's back or doing things to undermine the team 
that is going to create discontent within the unit and it's important to address that to figure out why is that happening and if that person is feeling disempowered or unheard or uh, feels like they may not have the tools or capabilities to do what they're being asked well then that can be addressed if they are doing it um, out of a scarcity and fear-based mentality because they want to claw their way to the top then that might be something else to consider not everybody is going to be a healthy ally it is important to be aware of people who are toxic in their behaviors it's important to be aware of those behaviors and set effective boundaries and protect yourself you can have pity for them you can have compassion for them it doesn't mean that you have to embrace their behaviors when asking for help create a win-win that benefits the heart and mind of the other person when you are doing more listening than talking you're going to be more more aware of the hopes and the dreams of the other people and when you need them to do something when you want something to happen if you help them see how that will help them move toward their hopes and dreams then they are going to be more motivated to do it create a win-win now each person's hopes and dreams and vision of a rich and meaningful life is going to be somewhat different in a family you might say it would really reduce my stress or help me feel uh, better make me happier whatever words you want to use if you would do xyz today vacuum the stairs or mop the floor whatever it is and for that person if they if part of their rich and meaningful life is being in a family unit that is cohesive and harmonious then doing that may play to their hopes and dreams may play to their heart and heart and mind so it's important to know what motivates other people what is it that they want out of life and how can them helping you help them achieve that the same thing is true in business if you know that one of your subordinates or one of your colleagues wants a promotion or wants a transfer how is it and you need them to do something how is it that um, helping you might help them move towards that transfer whether it's promoting goodwill within the team or showing that they're a team player or even creating connections with the department that they want to transfer to whatever it is how is it that it's beneficial to them and yes it sounds self-serving and it kind of is but that is how we're wired how is it going to help me how is using my energy to do this going to help me move toward my vision of a rich and meaningful life don't build a fortress around your body mind or heart isolation is dangerous it doesn't mean you have to have 50 people coming over to your house for a barbecue every weekend but it's important to have supports as I said at the beginning none of us is the master of everything 
we need other people in our life so avoid building a fortress around yourself around your body when you have people in proximity it can make you feel more connected it doesn't mean you have to let people you know get all up in your space but becoming a hermit avoiding interacting with people in real life actually has um, negative consequences on our neurotransmitters in work you know obviously in the workplace that's not very touchy-feely so building a fortress around your body uh, is not really applicable but your mind and your heart are applicable in every situation don't build a fortress and around it don't build walls that are six feet thick and five thousand feet high made of solid lead so people can't get to know you can't get to understand how you think and your ideas and your creativity likewise they can't get to your heart to feel your compassion or to give you compassion if you keep them a wall up not only are you not interacting with them but they're not able to give to you know who you're dealing with though including their reputation their strengths and weaknesses if you're building a team you are hiring people to be part of that team you want to know are they going to behave with integrity what are their strengths and how are can they be integral to this team you don't want every person on your crew to be a framer if you're building a house you know you need electricians you need plumbers you need other people so it's important to know what their strengths and their weaknesses are same thing in a family now as a family you're likely not choosing who comes and goes but know their reputation and their strengths and weaknesses and build on those when you build on people's strengths you are enhancing their talents you are helping them feel needed and important and that is rewarding that develops that sense of loyalty and respect surrender to transform weakness into power now there are two ways to look at this when you are not able to win when you're not able to achieve something continuing to try to do it knowing that you can't achieve it you're just throwing good energy after bad so at a certain point the power move is to say no I'm not going to continue doing this I'm going to conserve my energy and use it for something that I can win use it for something that I can do synergizing is another way to transform weakness into power if we recognize hey I can't win this I can't do this this is a weakness I have and we'll use plumbing as a perfect example this is a weakness I have um, I cannot right now change a faucet however I know people who can so synergizing using people whose strengths complement my resources creates power creates a more effective use of energy and when you have more available energy guess what you've got more power at work the same thing is true transform weaknesses into power if you've got one person who is really strong in something 
enhance that nurture that develop that instead of being concerned that they are going to try to overthrow you or usurp you nurturing them and recognizing that there's plenty of room for growth concentrate your resources and this kind of plays off of transforming weaknesses you've only got so much energy in a day or in your body you've only got so much time in a day so many days in a year so concentrating your resources using your time and your energy wisely to help you move toward what's important in your rich and meaningful life is going to help you build abundance when you are concentrating your resources and you're focused on at, at work getting x project accomplished then that is going to make you more abundant you're going to be better at getting that task done getting it off the table when you concentrate your resources you're also looking at what other resources do i have that aren't just me you know i have my time and energy but if i divide this project so there are six of us working on it and each person does what they're really good at then we can probably get it done in a sixth of the time and a sixth of each person's energy so each person has five sixths of their energy left over do or do not there is no try as yoda would say it is important to avoid hesitation and timidness when you are taking steps in your life if you're too hesitant and you're too timid you may stay stuck in your own head and never actually take action 95 percent of the time any action you take is not permanent if you take an action and you realize hey this isn't going well i need to change direction a little bit okay then you can do that and i actually have an acronym for that that's beta testing when you need to do something when you need to make a choice or a decision or start something take a breath evaluate the situation talk and listen to other people about what the options are and then act tentatively and what i mean by that is act but recognize that if you take that action and you do it and you give it a hundred percent and it's not taking you the way you want to go or need to go you can modify you can modify the direction this is true in life if you are starting college maybe you started out under a particular uh, major and then you realized hey this is not really for me and you choose your choose a different major you switch majors that happens to the majority of people not everybody but the majority of people if you get into a relationship you know maybe you decide hey you know this sounds like a good thing and you get into a relationship and six months or three years down the road you're like this isn't really working then you can consider what are my options use rapid cycle change instead of an immediate overhaul humans are creatures of habit 
and whether you're trying to change how your family that your family dynamics or you're trying to change something at work coming in and just turning everything on its head increases anxiety adds to uncertainty and most of the time people are not going to be able to handle multiple simultaneous changes effectively think about if you've ever made a new year's resolution to get healthier and you decide you're going to start eating healthier and going to the gym and stop smoking and whatever else you're going to do like these six things uh, beginning january 1st how effective are most people at doing a complete overhaul now there is the the occasional person who does better just you know jumping into the deep end but the majority of people in families the majority of people as individuals and the majority of people in workplaces do a lot better with what's called rapid cycle change make a small change integrate it get it so it is something that everybody is doing and it has now become the new habit see how that impacts the overall out output or outcome and then decide the next small change so for example with nutrition you may decide that you want to eat healthier okay rapid cycle change would say start by making sure that you're staying hydrated for a week or a month and then once you get to the point where you are regularly getting enough fluid in your system every day then you can make another change maybe adding colors to your diet so you're eating more antioxidants but you're making small changes and with each small change you're able to evaluate is this working for me or is it not sometimes you make a small change maybe at work you move sam from one position to another thinking that that would be more effective in accomplishing the tasks in the department and sam gets to that new position and is just not cutting it okay that was a small change you recognize that the problems started when you made that change so you may move sam back to the original position but rapid cycle change is really awesome because you are able to evaluate the effectiveness of every small change you're able to effectively focus on one thing at a time and make it a permanent change before you start adding the next one and so you have one thing at a time that's done really well instead of six things done all at once but they're done halfway stop when you reach the goal else you may get sloppy or waste energy on a low return on your investment think about and i do this a lot oh my gosh uh, i'll go outside and y'all know that i typically not typically i have shoulder problems back problems you know I, i'm 50. and so i will go outside into the garden and i will start pulling weeds and i will start cleaning up things with the intention of staying out there for two hours and at the end of two hours i'm like oh i still got a little bit more let me do one more thing one more thing one more thing and yes i keep getting more things done but inevitably i pay for it at the end of the night because i usually end up straining a muscle or aggravating my my shoulder injury and 
so it ends up having deleterious consequences I'm getting sloppy if I'm not really careful about my posture and how much time I spend doing certain things sometimes you may just waste energy on a low return on investment uh, if you're working on a project for work and you get it done and it is good it is a we'll call it an a project but you continue to work on it for another two weeks to move it from an a project to an a plus project how much benefit did you get out of all of that extra energy because pushing it that extra two percent probably took 50 percent of the energy it, it took you to get it done so it takes a whole lot more energy to get it that last two three four percent of the way is it worth it were the benefits was the return on your time and energy investment worth it or did you sacrifice other things that were important because you felt you needed to push it that extra two percent for a lot of us uh, pushing it that extra two percent may mean sacrificing going to the gym sacrificing sleep sacrificing family activities if we're talking about something at work for example recreate yourself I love this one every moment is an opportunity for a new beginning you don't have to wait till tomorrow morning or next week or first of next month every moment is an opportunity for a new beginning you can recreate yourself however in order to do that you need to know who you want to be you need to define yourself and we talk about this in the video on creating a rich and meaningful life but what kind of a person do you want to be what things do you believe actually talking to yourself or evaluating your thoughts and your beliefs to figure out who am I what do I believe what are my strengths what are my weaknesses don't let others define you and that's really important too often we let society tell us who we are or who we could be or what we can do and what we can't do and it's important to you know obviously stay within laws not encouraging uh, anything other than that but uh, by obeying laws and not hurting other people what can you do to define yourself as a unique person do you my daughter went through a phase when she was uh, a teenager where she kind of dressed to the beat of her own drummer and it was very creative it wasn't something I would have put together but that's what she wanted to do she didn't let mainstream media tell her what to wear how to dress she was going to communicate her independence through her uh, presentation that takes a lot of courage but it is really liberating when you do that and other people are receptive not everybody's going to be receptive that's okay you don't need everybody to like you and that is part of abundance at work don't let others define you if you think you would be a really good department manager or xyz job person and that's not the track you're on or people say no that's not for you if you think it's for you then figure out how to make it happen don't let people tell you that you can't do it what do you need to do if that is part of how you want to define yourself be adaptable 
And that goes along with defining yourself. Be adaptable to the environment, recognizing that every moment's a new, new beginning. Sometimes you may be going full steam ahead on something and then life throws you a curveball. And being adaptable means you can step back and go, okay, got to put this on hold for a second and deal with this over here. At work, when I used to work in community mental health, we would frequently have budgetary changes because a lot of our funding came from the state and from the feds and we had to be adaptable. How can we still achieve our mission within the new monetary guidelines that we have? How can we continue to provide the same services and meet the needs of our population? We had to be adaptable in order to meet the mission. In personal life, things may happen. Uh, I was working at uh, the community mental health center. I was going to graduate school and I was pregnant with my first child. And lo and behold, he decided to come out almost three months early. And so it was important to recognize that while I wanted to continue working and I wanted to continue graduate school and everything, I had to take some time off. I ended up taking off a semester from school and having to take a extended leave from work because my son was in the neonatal intensive care unit and that was more important to me. I had to adapt and switch my energies, move my energies to what was important to me. Begin with the end in mind. And that goes back, I know I've said it multiple times today, defining your rich and meaningful life. Who's important? What do those relationships look like? What activities are important? What accomplishments are important? You only have so much energy and it's important to kind of know where you're going. So when things come towards you, when you have to make choices, whether it's at work, you know, where you want to go, your, your occupation, uh, organizational mission, or at home, your personal mission, when options come towards you, you have the ability to say, yes, I'm going to devote my energy and time to that because that will help me move toward my goal. Or that sounds really appealing, but it's not moving me towards my goal. And I don't have the spare energy to go on a wild goose chase right now. Don't dwell on what you don't have. A lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration and resentment and envy and jealousy and a lot of energy is spent by a lot of people dwelling on what they can't do or what they don't have. Instead, using that energy to figure out, okay, how can, what do, what can I do in order to work towards the things I can get. Don't focus on the things you can't. I can't be 5'10". That's not going to happen. I'm 5'4 and a quarter and I'm probably going to shrink a little bit as I age. I'm not going to get taller. So I can't dwell on the fact that I'm not 5'10". What can I focus on? Uh, I can't dwell on a lot of other things that I, well, I could, but it doesn't do me any good to dwell on things I don't have. It's important to take time each day to mindfully appreciate what you do have. Recognize 
what is what do you have right now that is important in your rich and meaningful life what things in your life currently exist to which you're committed to which you have energy allotted and make sure to give the time and energy devote time and energy to each one of those things when I was a supervisor it was important for me to make sure that I mindfully appreciated each of my staff on a regular basis now I had 87 people that reported to me so mindfully appreciating each one each day wasn't going to happen however it was important to me to make sure that I regularly called people out for what they were doing right for what they were doing well or and making sure that they knew that they were part of the team and appreciated and noticed and heard that can go such a long way the same thing is true in families too often it's the whole no news is good news sort of approach to life and parenting if I'm not being yelled at then things must be pretty good but taking time in your relationships whether it's your nuclear family or your friendships taking time to appreciate one another strengthens those bonds and creates uh, creates that synergy and creates that abundance so you have those resources when they're there you have those people that hey you know you can call on when you need them and they know they can call on you I hope this has given you some ideas about ways that you might embrace a more person-centric approach or in a more abundance mindset oriented approach to leadership and relationships